재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 It is time for David's Bookmark with David Tizard. David is an assistant professor at Seoul Women's University and is completing the research of his PhD in Korean studies at Hanyang University. Hi, David. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, everybody listening. So this past week was the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of JFK. So why don't we start in honor of JFK with a clip from the ex-president himself? Excellent. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. So then... ex-president jfk speaking the first thing you'll notice is just how well people are rated back then when mm-hmm. you watch a lot of the modern coverage of politics and such forth fantastic speaker and fantastic speech writers mm-hmm. um he was talking there about the press and the news as a concept and we've heard a lot about the effect of media recently both mainstream media and independent media right noticeably how a lot of the major news channels have been getting things very wrong mm-hmm A lot of them predicted that Brexit would not happen. Lo and behold, it did. And then again, with Clinton and Trump, none of them really predicted it. And they've been shown to have been wrong quite frequently. We don't know what to think anymore. We don't know what to think. And it leaves a sort of growing distrust of the media. Mm-hmm. And we sort of rely on other forms of media information. We have these sources, social network, anonymous, WikiLeaks and such forth. Tarot readings. Tarot readings and, and right, such right, forth. Yeah. Right. And what this does is it increases the nature of what we have echo chambers these days. Mm-hmm. You're aware of echo chambers, Jamie. Yes, but can you explain what they are? Well, echo chambers are where we surround ourselves with like-minded thinkers. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, we only ever hear what we expect to hear or what we agree with. We don't ever get or we don't want to listen to people who think differently from us. Mm -hmm. I think initially it starts as sort of um, a way of blanketing yourself with with things that you want to hear so you can feel... Like there's more people on your side. Mm. And then eventually you forget that there's people on the other side. And that is the problem with echo chambers. A really big problem because empathy is so important. Mm -hmm. You've really got to look along other people's experiences and recognize the other. It's so important in defining yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy now we have... user-created news. You know, we can choose what channels to look at. We can choose who to see on our news feeds. Who to follow. Yeah, who to follow and Uh who not to follow. And because we create it, we sort of create our own little bubbles, don't we? Right, And there are thoughts echo and reverberate around us. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we can... sort of uh, come across new information in, in ways that are very heavily dependent on algorithms. Yeah. So who to follow yep. and who is controlling how we follow, um, how we find new people to follow mm-hmm. and so so forth. Because like, for for instance, with, uh, with a lot of social media, they keep giving you suggestions yes. based on who you followed, yeah. on like who, who else to follow. And That's then that right. creates this gigantic echo chamber yeah. where everyone agrees. 
agrees with you. Like they they keep showing you things that you want to yeah. want to hear and I think um because of that censorship is probably easier now because there are people out there who are controlling these algorithms that we mm. don't know much mm. about. It's actually being slowly reported, isn't it? The the use of algorithms and how mm-hmm. things are being blocked. I did hear this wonderful thing the other day about there's this people you may know function on certain right. social yeah and somebody I find that it, scary somebody described that as people you're purposefully ignoring <laughs> because <laughs> yes. you both see each other there uh-huh. on that thing and you don't ever click or connect right, right. you know it's just that no we're not going to mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit scary isn't it yeah right right it does increase also the the power of rumors mm-hmm. and so if i can jamie I'd, I'd like to start by reading you we haven't even mentioned the book yet but i'd like to read you an excerpt from this book about the power of rumor okay the rumor spread through the city like wildfire, which had quite often spread through Ankh-Morpork since its citizens had learned the words fire insurance. The dwarves can turn lead into gold. It buzzed through the fetid air of the alchemist's quarter, where they had been trying to do the same thing for centuries without success, but was certain that they'd manage it by tomorrow, or next Tuesday at least, or the end of the month for definite. It caused speculation among the wizards at Unseen University, where they knew you could turn one element into another element, provided you didn't mind it turning back again next day. And where was the good in that? Besides, most elements were happy where they were. It seared into the scarred, puffy and sometimes totally missing ears of the Thieves' Guild, where people put an edge on their crowbars who cared where the gold came from. The dwarves can turn lead into gold. It reached the cold but incredibly acute ears of the patrician, and it did that fairly quickly because you did not stay ruler of Ankh-Morpork for long if you were second with the news. He sighed and made a note of it, and added it to a lot of other notes. The dwarves can turn lead into gold. It reached the pointy ears of the dwarves. Can we? Damned if I know I can't. Yeah, but if you could, you wouldn't say. I wouldn't say if I could. Can you? No? Aha! So that was David reading the first um, couple of paragraphs from the book The Truth by Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Dwarves and alchemy? Wizards and thieves' guilds and yeah, dwarves and patricians. That sounds like fantasy. Absolutely, it's fantasy. It's, it's quite hardcore fantasy. This is fantasy with a capital F, and it's not a shame to say it, I okay. would say. Uh, recently, we've done Uelbeck and Irvin Welsh, some really dark books, you know, focusing on the underclass of society. So I thought, let's spin it around and mm-hmm. uh, get our magic wands out. For some humor. <laughs> For some humor. Um, I, I saw smirks rising on your face as I read that. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not a, a very big fan of fantasy, although I do love me some Harry Potter. I think fantasy yeah. is a very great um, opportunity to work out some metaphors, mm-hmm. like psychological metaphors. Yeah, I can see that. I've never seen or read any Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. You haven't? No. I actually. You had, might have to because you have small children. I had dinner with a student the other day and uh-huh. uh, she contacted me afterwards. She said... David, did you see my Harry Potter wand when I left? She has a wand. She brought it to dinner. Yeah, she has a Harry Potter wand. Okay. Yeah, it, it's you very teach big college, amongst the right? student, university students. Okay, you okay All with right. wands? Okay, I just wanted to establish that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, but personally, I'm not much of a fantasy person. It's mm-hmm. not something that I sit around reading. However, this author Terry Pratchett has done something so powerful, created a world so vivid that he's 
become huge. He mm -hmm. was very huge. He's got this avid fan base that sort of were resting on his every word, his every book, every character. He created a world so real that it transcended the pages. It's become computer games, movies, television shows. Computer games? I didn't know that. I think the first time I encountered Discworld, which was the world he was created, was in the mid-90s, and it was an Amiga or a PC game where mm -hmm. you had to control a wizard and take oh. him around, voiced by Eric Idle from Monty Python. Ooh, nice. Which, it was like watching Monty Python. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, Terry Pratchett is definitely a, a household name in literature in general, but can you tell us a little bit about Terry Pratchett and Discworld, his mm, gift to the world, Discworld? I can indeed, yeah. Terry Pratchett, born back in 1948. Full name, Sir Terence David John Terry Pratchett, um, sadly passed away last year, oh. um, which was well documented. He had a long battle with Alzheimer's and mm -hmm. uh, he, he did documentaries and he was very open about it and that really helped the disease. Mm -hmm. um, he published his first novel back in 71, but his main effort was Discworld, which was comprised of 41 books, the first appearing in 1983, and from there he put forward about two books a year mm -hmm. on average, which is an incredible output, two books a year. Mm -hmm. um, he was knighted by the Queen, obviously, Sir Terry Pratchett, and Britain's highest-selling author of the 90s. Oh, wow. That's, that's a big claim, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, it's not a claim. It's, it's a huge statistic. It's something to really have under your belt. Mm -hmm. More people were reading him than any other British writer. Mm -hmm. And is it true that Terry Pratchett continued to write um, as his Alzheimer's was advancing? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, people would look through it and try to find hints of the degeneration of his mental faculties and such forth. Mm -hmm. Very much reminds me, if anyone out there is listening, did actually go and read Flowers for Algernon. Mm -hmm. But that's that manifest in real life. Mm -hmm. I think that would be text. really interesting to see, like, how that was reflected in his writing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, a mirror up to someone's soul or something, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. it's very... It, bearing it to the world. Mm -hmm. A very brave man, Terry Pratchett. Mm -hmm. And he gave us Discworld. Uh, can I tell you a little bit about Discworld? Yes, please. Yeah. Discworld is a world that sits atop four elephants. Four elephants. Four elephants. So the world is on... It's not spinning through the universe. The world rests upon four elephants. And these four elephants stand on the back of a giant turtle. And this turtle flies through space. Well, of course, as you're describing the elephants and the and the turtle, I'm thinking, what do they eat? <laughs> I've never thought about that. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. Yeah, yeah, elephants need food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us about this world that is on the back of elephants. Well, the best thing about this world is it's suspiciously like ours. The world itself is rock and water, and the key of this world are the people that inhabit it, because these are people that we recognize in, a, in our own lives mm -hmm. and on earth here. So the same concerns. The same concerns, the laughing, the crying, the, the romance, the death, all of these things happen. Mm -hmm. However, they happen, as you heard in that first excerpt, to... Dwarves. Dwarves, wizards, trolls, vampires... Um, who else? Anything you can kind of think of. Mm -hmm. So all, all the fantasy beings. All the fantasy beings, yeah. Mm -hmm. Death is in there as a character. Oh, wow. Yeah, death, really. death, capital D, death. Death, capital D. He okay. has a daughter and there's a rat. There's the, death has a daughter. Death has a daughter. Oh, wow. Daughter death. It sounds like a okay. Scandinavian rock band <laughs> or something. We are daughter death. Um, but what he does in this Discworld is Terry Pratchett, he writes murder mysteries, he writes romances and thrillers and comedies, and they just all exist inside this world. He's a great writer of people.
Mm-hmm. Well, let's get a sense of what kind of style we can expect from the truth. Can you give us some more excerpts? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure because the most important thing with Terry Pratchett, Discworld, and, and this book, The Truth, that I featured, is his writing. Um, let's have a look at this little excerpt. I'll read it. There are, it has been said, two types of people in the world. There are those who, when presented with a glass that is exactly half full, say, this glass is half full. And there are those who say, this glass is half empty. The world belongs, however, to those who can look at the glass and say, what's up with this glass? Excuse me, excuse me, this is my glass. I don't think so. My glass was full, and it was a bigger glass. Who's been pinching my beer? (laughs) And at the other end of the bar, the world is full of the other type of person who has a broken glass, or a glass that has been carelessly knocked over, usually by one of the people calling for a larger glass, or who had no glass at all because he was at the back of the crowd and had failed to catch the barman's eye. So it starts out with a simple enough dichotomy. He says, glass half full, glass half empty, and then who's pinching my beer? And then there are people who have no glass at all. Yeah. Which glass person are you? Um, I'm the one drinking the beer. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever person that is. But it's it's wonderful how he takes these... um, classic metaphors analogies mm-hmm. you know these tests what kind of person are you but he, he with his wit and his humor he mm-hmm. just turns it around and he creates so such vivid voices in my head right and I'm, he takes it to a very unexpected place and it's yeah. very funny yeah, it's incredibly funny glass to broken yeah right right i wonder if the humor itself is only transmittable to certain people but I, mm-hmm. again i heard you chuckling away a uh-huh. little bit and uh-huh. so that's the real what do you key. mean certain people People who drink beer. Well, you know, some people like slapstick comedy and some people like mm-hmm. Forty Towers. It, it's very different, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. subjective comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of slapstick. Yeah, yes. okay. I like pies in the face and such <laughs> as well. There's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And can we hear another excerpt? Okay, yeah. This is Terry Pratchett describing meetings. If you've ever been in a meeting or part of one, this is how Pratchett describes them. From the truth. The best way to describe Mr. Windling would be like this. You're at a meeting. You'd like to be away early, so would everyone else. There really isn't very much to discuss anyway. And just as everyone can see any other business coming over the horizon and is putting their papers neatly together, a voice says, If I can raise a minor matter, Mr. Chairman, and with a horrible wooden feeling in your stomach, you know, now, that the evening will go on for twice as long, with much referring back to the minutes of earlier meetings. The man who has just said that and is now sitting there with a smug smile of dedication to the committee process is as near Mr. Windling as makes no difference. And something that distinguishes the Mr. Windlings of the universe is the term, in my humble opinion, which they think adds weight to their statements rather than indicating, in reality, these are the mean little views of someone with a social grace of duckweed. I think when somebody uh, starts a sentence with, in my humble opinion, I think, no. you don't think you're humble at all. Not this at is all. not humble yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. exactly. Uh, when you were reading that part about uh, a horrible wooden feeling in your stomach, mm-hmm. you know now that the evening will go on for twice as long. Yeah. I felt a twinge of guilt in my gut because <laughs> I feel like this is what I do at the end of every class that I teach when there's yep. three minutes left yep. I have this last like bit that I want to say and you know my students are already they've already started packing yeah. and I teach on Fridays so they're ready to go and yep. I'm like I have just this one last thing and then it goes on of course for 15 minutes and mm. 
we always go over time and I think they secretly hate me. Your students probably think that you have the social grace of duckweed. Yes. <laughs> According to definitely. Pratchett. I'm not quite sure. Oh, Jamie, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's quite, I'm sure they love you. Yeah, students, if you're listening, I apologize. Yeah. But I will probably never stop doing this. Do they have wands? Like my students. They might. They may well they do. Might. They're probably sitting there trying to make you finish with their ones. Yes, yeah. one of these days they're going to perfect the spell yeah. and I will be turned into duckweed. Duckweed. Mm-hmm. He really does describe life. I mean, that's the thing. When you heard this excerpt that I read about meeting, it's set in a fantasy uh, setting. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a, a policeman that's a troll you've got a depressed vampire you've got a homosexual dwarf with a beard uh-huh. you've got all these characters but inside it there are all of these incredibly relatable issues situations and terry pratchett does that so well he writes people he writes the everyday man in a way that you immediately reflect mm-hmm. and what kind of characters can we expect from this book there's a whole world of characters in the Discworld. Very interestingly, the truth is one where the main characters, the protagonists, are brand new. So there's the whole supporting cast. This is the 26th book out mm-hmm. of 41. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of already established characters, but the main protagonists are brand new. So if you pick this up, the truth, then you can get straight into it. The main character is William de Word. William DeWord. Yeah, he's okay. a young man working as a journalist. And he goes mm-hmm. around writing down pieces of information and, and sending them to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, he discovers a printing press. And, and from here, at the beginning of the book, he invents the world's first newspaper. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a really nice thing. And he writes down these social items. Uh-huh. And when they're arranging the first newspaper, the items, the I and the T, get flipped around. And so we get the Ankh-Morcork times not oh, items that so is the word so clever t- that's the origin the ontology of the word times okay so it was supposed to be items yeah and we all call it times now we all call it times yeah wow, because of that little flip that little that little flip that mm-hmm. butterfly wing ripple but of course loads of other characters in there one of my favorites is cut me own throat dibbler he always pops up and he's a salesman uh-huh. that will <laughs> cut his own throat to sell you something oh wow that Not, is graphic. Yeah, no, I mean, figure, I mean figuratively, literally, okay. figuratively. Okay. He's like, oh, I'm cutting my own throat to sell you this, mate. Oh, mm. That would be very messy. It, it would be, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit depressing. There's too much humour for that, mm-hmm. but I really like him as a character. Mm-hmm. And there's also fun parallels between our world and Discworld that we mm. can look forward to, right? Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, as the books continue... You see, for example, with this one, the invention into the world of the printing press. Mm -hmm. At other times, you see when the world invents movies, moving pictures. When somebody invents rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So it's it's real social commentary on these huge beasts, these behemoths that invade, have invaded or taken over our own world. You know, sort of Hollywood and MTV, all of these big things. Mm -hmm. He talks about how they would have gotten started. Mm. into this fantasy world and what would happen you know if just a couple of things were a little bit different or the other way around Mm -hmm. and so it's really interesting to see how they play out Mm -hmm. the differences the parallels the the differences the parallels and the depressed vampires and Mm -hmm. and troll policemen (laughs) and such forth yeah yes it doesn't matter what species you are someone out there is depressed just like you there are no walls being built in Ankhmore Pork (laughs) or Discworld so yeah read it it's it's very liberating right Uh, we're almost out of time but before you go you have a song recommendation 
I do have a song recommendation, yes. Uh, one of my best friends, the lead singer of Tampa's Dusk, Andro Paris, is getting married to his beautiful fiancée, Nayan. So uh, this song that Andro and I wrote and recorded together is called My Truth. And to honour Terry Pratchett's The Truth, I thought we'd play this song. Well, congratulations, Andrew and Nayan, and thank you so much, David, for coming in this week. Thank you. The devil said, son, let me take your head, and I'm sure to show you how to be 